Welcome to the Middle East Connection podcast, where each episode we explore a different relation between two states in the Middle East, their historical context, and where they stand today. On this episode, we'll talk about the relations between Israel and Iran. A good entry point to Iranian-Israeli relations is probably the vote over the UN partition plan for Palestine in 1947, before the modern state of Israel officially came into existence. Just to recap, the territory where Israel is today was then a British mandate called Palestine, and the UN partition plan offered to divide that territory into a Jewish state and an Arab state. Generally speaking, the Jews in Palestine were in favor of the plan, and the Arabs weren't, and thus the votes for the plan were bound to symbolize each country's diplomatic stance toward a future Jewish state. A vote in favor of the plan meant supporting a future Jewish state, and a vote against the plan meant not. Iran voted against the plan, as did all the other Middle Eastern countries in the UN. Despite this, in 1948, around the time that the State of Israel was created, a large Jewish population fled from Iraq to Iran. Historically, Iran has had a large Jewish population for a majority Muslim country, and even reserved seats in the Islamic Consultative Assembly, which is Iran's parliament. After the establishment of Israel, when Iran was under the control of Shah Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, Israeli-Iranian relations were actually quite strong. Iran was the second majority Muslim country to recognize Israel and had a permanent delegation in Tehran before the formal establishment of the exchange of ambassadors. Iran was also the only country in the region that would sell oil to Israel. Israel's desire for good relations with Iran fell in line with their concept of the alliance of the periphery, a foreign policy strategy that sought to develop and maintain relations with non-Arab countries in the Middle East in order to strengthen Israel's position against the Arab countries in the region. Iran was motivated by the intense Soviet influence on Arab pan-nationalism, as well as a desire to maintain good relations with the United States. Thus, Iran and Israel began an extraordinarily beneficial relationship. The two countries cooperated on oil imports and exports, arms deals, a missile project, and so much more. After the Six-Day War, Iran supplied Israel with a significant portion of its oil needs. In fact, the two countries created a joint pipeline that carried oil to Europe, known as the Eilat Ashkelon Pipeline. Perhaps most importantly, and in stark contrast to today's political climate, Iran and Israel participated in a missile project, known as Project Flower. The project began on July 18, 1977, when Israeli Defense Minister General Ezra Wiseman and Iranian Vice Minister of War General Hassan Tufanian discussed the co-production of Israel's Jericho II missile, which they codenamed Project Flower. In 1978, Iran made its first payment to Israel in the form of $280 million worth of oil for Project Flower. The aim of the project was to make a long-range missile of 150 to 200 kilometers, and to make a missile that was a more heavily armed version of the Israeli Gabriel anti-ship missile. To work on the project, the Iranians began building a missile assembly site close to Sirjan and a missile test range near Rafsanjan. However, in the 1970s, Israel's geopolitical importance to Iran began to decline. In 1970, Egypt's Gamal Abdel Nasser died, making way for a new president, Anwar Sadat, and the warming of relations between Egypt and Iran. In 1975, Iran made an agreement with Iraq, which stipulated that Iran would stop supporting the Iraqi Kurdish separatists. The Iranian effort to support the Iraqi Kurds until then was in cooperation with the Israelis and the Americans, but the Israelis were not consulted with or notified of Iran's cease of involvement with the Kurds. 
This marked another distancing of relations between Israel and Iran. After the 1979 Iranian Revolution, Israeli-Iranian relations became even more tense. The Israeli embassy was turned over to the PLO, and in February 1979, Project Flower ended. Despite this, cooperation continued in some areas for a while, in particular during the 1980s Iran-Iraq War. During the war, Israel supplied an estimated $500 million in arms sales to Iran, paid for with Iranian oil. According to Ahmed Haidari, an Iranian arms dealer working for the Khomeini government, about 80% of the arms bought by Tehran during the war originated in Israel. Israel even encouraged the U.S. to sell arms to Iran during the 1980s. This cooperation was in stark contrast to the anti-Israel rhetoric emanating from the Khomeini government at the time. However, Israel's position on Iran did not change. In 1987, Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin said, Iran is Israel's best friend, and we do not intend to change our position in relation to Tehran. Despite this, due to Iranian support for anti-Israel terrorist groups like Hezbollah and Hamas, Iran eventually placed Iraq as the primary strategic threat to Israel. Since then, relations between Iran and Israel have continued to decline. It is important to note, though, that in 1996, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu actually reached out to the Iranians to see if the alliance of the periphery could be resurrected. However, this attempt came before the election of Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. Ahmadinejad refused to recognize Israel and violently called for its destruction. He also referred to the Holocaust as a myth. Over the past decade or so, Israel has been the most vocal state in opposition to Iran's nuclear program which has been edging closer to achieving a nuclear weapons capability. Israel's current prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, had taken lead on the issue since shortly after he took office in 2009. He frequently addressed the international community in efforts to persuade taking a harsher stance against Iran and often has a, had a theatrical or controversial way of doing so. In one of his most remembered and ridiculed speeches, Netanyahu pulled out a diagram shaped like a bomb to make his point. The body of the diagram represented Iran's ability to achieve nuclear weapons capabilities. As negotiations for the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, more commonly known as the JCPOA, or Iran Nuclear Deal, proved increasingly successful, opposition to it grew in Israel as well as within the U.S. Congress. Members of the American Republican Party arranged for Netanyahu to come speak against the JCPOA in front of the U.S. Congress in March 2015. Netanyahu won the Knesset elections later that month. However, his attempt to tor torpedo the Iran nuclear deal failed. The JCPOA was signed only a few months later, in July 2015. Today, the JCPOA is still in effect, despite the eventual withdrawal of the United States under President Donald Trump. Iran and Israel have also clashed on the ongoing, in the ongoing conflict in Syria. In 2013, shortly after the, st after the start of the civil war, Israel began backing Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. Due to concern about the growing strength of Hezbollah on its border, Israel has intermittently conducted airstrikes in Syria against weapon convoys from Iran to Hezbollah. Last year, an Iranian military official revealed that the number of strikes they had conducted against these convoys since 2012 was approaching triple digits. However, last year, a few incidents in Syria had resulted in a much more direct confrontation between Israel and Iran. Iran and Israel's first direct encounter was in February 2018, when an armed Iranian drone launched from a military base in Syria headed toward Israel. 
The drone was taken down by an Israeli Apache helicopter, 90 seconds after it crossed into Israeli territory. In response to the Iranian drone, the Israeli Air Force sent eight fighter jets to strike the Syrian military base from which the drone was launched. One of the F-16s, which was flying at a higher altitude to verify the results of the strike, was hit by a Syrian anti-aircraft defense on its way back from the mission and crashed in Israeli territory. This, in turn, prompted an additional Israeli airstrike on eight Syrian targets, including aerial defense batteries and four Iranian positions in Syria. Not only was this the first direct military encounter between Israel and Iran, the event also spurred the largest Israeli airstrike in Syria since the 1982 Lebanon War, and was also the first time since 1982 that an Israeli jet was shot down. Three months later, Iranian forces launched 20 missiles at Israeli positions in the Golan Heights, with four missiles making it across the border. Israel responded with surface-to-surface missiles of its own, attacking 70 Iranian positions in Syria, including the base south of Damascus from which the Iranian missiles were launched. This was the biggest Israeli attack in Syria since the 1973 Yom Kippur War. Clearly, Iranian-Israeli relations have worsened over the past seven decades, changing from cooperation to political and military conflicts over many issues. However, Peace is in the best interest of Israel and Iran, as seen through their previous involvement. If they begin to work together once more, Israel benefits from Iran's oil resources, and Iran gains from Israel's position of power with international actors such as the United States. Cooperation will lead to financial gain for Israel and international legitimization for Iran. Thank you for being with us today, and please keep an eye out for our future podcasts.